I had come to know Sarah over the years as a typical pre-teenager. She was energetic, bright, unabashedly honest, and full of life. She never seemed to let her asthma get her down. In short, she was a great kid. Beaten by asthma, Sarah died on Father's Day. Never having lost a child, I could only imagine the deep pain her parents felt. Devastated, crushed, defeated. I saw the deep sadness in her father's eyes and felt the pain in his voice. As her physician, I found that Sarah's death left a scar within me, a never-healing mark that is still there to this day. Sarah became one of almost 4,000 people to die from asthma in the United States that year. Although this number is down from a high of over 5,000 yearly deaths 20 years ago, I believe that it is still unacceptable. We need to do better as a healthcare community, for promising young people like Sarah and for her heartbroken mom and dad. As bad as these numbers are, they only tell a small part of the story of suffering from asthma. Why? There are actually over 22 million people with asthma in the United States today, and many of them are having a tough time. How bad can asthma get? You may be living with asthma that is causing problems and just accepting it as the way it is. Perhaps you are missing school or work, athletic events, or having nights of interrupted sleep from coughing and wheezing. In cases like the last, other family members are oftentimes awakened as well, especially when a child is involved, so the quality and amount of everyone's sleep and rest are affected. Not only is the quality of your life lowered by these asthma consequences, but you are also exposed to the risk of death. That's frightening, isn't it? But I don't want you to have to be frightened. That's one of the reasons I'm writing this book. Fortunately, death due to asthma is uncommon, though asthma patients and their families face a reduced quality of life way too often. In 2009, a large survey called Asthma Insight and Management, AIM, was conducted in the United States. It provided an excellent understanding of the impact of this disease in a sample of 2,500 patients with asthma. To me, the most striking piece of information gathered in this survey was this. When asked to describe their asthma, 71% of patients reported it to be well or completely controlled. Yet when asked about specific problems, such as frequency of symptoms, interference with normal activity, and use of bronchodilators and oral steroids, the answers showed that only 29% of them were well controlled. 71%, in fact, could be described as poorly controlled. Why would so many patients with asthma believe that their asthma is under control when it is not? The answer to this question is not 100% clear, yet we must consider that this discrepancy occurs as a result of low expectations for what asthma control really looks like. These patients may well be settling for less wellness than they deserve. Looking at medication use, many people, 41%, who had been prescribed long-term asthma medications reported in the AIM study that they had stopped this medication for a week or longer in the past year. 23% reported that they had stopped for a month or longer. This approach to medication can cause problems. Stopping these meds places you at greater risk for a more severe asthma attack in the following months. While research is being done on the intermittent use of medications to treat asthma, this approach is not currently widely recommended. The AIM survey also reported that many asthma patients experience moderate to extremely bothersome symptoms. Even more alarming, one out of three asthma patients also reported the need for acute care for their illness in the past year, including visits to the emergency room and hospitalization.
Think middle-of-the-night asthma attack with no ability to breathe, ending in a scary mad dash to the ER. That's not the picture of asthma you should settle for.